Oh, wait, wait. I got to get back up top. There we go. You're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 101. podcast a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things we talk about things like pop culture nostalgia movies music theme parks and since we live in florida the occasional story about a man sticking firecrackers up his butt to scare out the hamsters my name is Rob. there are much easier ways to scare out hamsters they really <laughs> like you don't really it's in fact as a proud owner of a hamster, you don't want to scare the hamster because that will cause the hamster to climb further into wherever said hamster is. Mm. What you want to do is entice the hamster out. And hamsters are a very big fan of cucumber. So are, that is why that man failed. Are they now? Yeah. Have I said too much? You you may have. Oh. You may have just outed yourself. Sorry. My name is Rob. And as always, I'm joined by Mixmaster Marcus. Yeah, boy. Peace. How low can you go? Death row? What a brother note. I'll stop now. I've gone Please. too far yet again. This is what happens when yes. Jimmy's not there to reel me back in. I know. And as Greg just, just alluded to, our chaperone is not here this evening. So Jimmy will be missing in action tonight, but I'm sure he will be back next week. He's out doing fun stuff, and he was like, I'm not going to be there. I'm having more fun without you guys. So... We're in charge of everything that goes on in the show tonight. And he yeah, can't yell at us. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> this week, we've got American Horror Story 1984. We do. Only one episode so far, so we're just going to give a brief review of what I saw. Good Eats, The Return. I think there's been about 10 episodes of that, but I have not had a good time, a good chance to talk about it, and I love that show. It It sounds like... Like some kind of horror movie where the food comes back to attack the people who ate it. No, it's actually a, it's a cooking show, actually. And it's like one of my favorite all-time shows. And it left for several years, and now it's the back. The Return. Yes. And we're going to continue talking about movies from the 80s. This week, we cover one of the ones that I remember fondly watching it with my family. It's a made-for-TV movie called The Midnight Hour. Starring Sherry Belafonte, Peter DeLuise, LeVar Burton. Uh, what was that guy's name again? The main character? Billy no, Idol. No, not, not Billy Idol. In the midnight hour, she cries more, more, more. I'm going to have to stop. You're, you're going to have to do this on your own. <laughs> and after we get what done, what, 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 we'll come we, up. Who are we trying what? to figure out? Who are we trying to figure out? Phil. Who played Phil? Uh, let's see. I would, was just about to click on the Midnight Hour, and an ad popped up, and now I'm not able to click on it. Thank you, IMDb. This is riveting. It is. It is. There we go. It is a made-for-TV movie, 1985, and Phil is played by... Scrolling. Scrolling. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. No. Uh, Lee Montgomery. Who the hell is Lee Montgomery? Apparently the guy who plays Phil. Oh. He also played Ben. Oh, in Ben. So, there we go. <laughs> This movie should have been called Phil. Every movie that 
that he was in, they should have named that movie after the character that he played. Mm-hmm. He was Jeff in Girls Just Want to Have Fun. So there could have been a movie named Jeff. He played Ben in Ben. And he should have played, this movie should have been just called Phil. Okay. Off the rails already. Good work, guys. Booyah. Yeah. Okay. So, spoiler alert. Uh, we're reviewing a TV show that just had one episode, so there's really not much to spoil there. You could have just watched that episode. We're reviewing a cooking show. So unless you really would be annoyed that I spoil an episode that they did about how to cook dates, not people that you go on dates with, because that would be a completely different show. Dates like the the fruit. Uh, or, of course, the movie that came out in 1985. If that any of those things are going to bother you, then uh, go watch them and do something else. Yes. Uh, news. We got news. <laughs> well, unless you want to talk about the uh, the Florida man who decided to rob a grocery store with a plastic kite handle. You can do that, but there was actually there was some news on here. Jimmy did get his hands on the notes and he did put some stuff on here. So let's uh, first of all, in sadness, we're being goofy here, but. There is some sad news that happened this past weekend, and that was uh, the death of Sid Haig, who is a horror—he's uh, you know, a horror icon. I am uh, more I, recently. I was known as Captain Spaulding in the Rob Zombie movies, um, House of a Thousand Corpses, which well, I said then multiple you times. I had a noise in the background like that sounded like you farted. Uh, Devil's Rejects to, um, and Free from Hell, say. which I think is just coming out. But people might also know him as the lead character on Jason of Star Command. You might want to have that. Uh, he's been in. He was on Batman, the TV show, Gunsmoke, Mission Impossible. These are all like old TV shows, the old TV show versions, not the newer movie versions. Just sad that I have to say that. Uh, he had been on A-Team, a- again, old old TV show, not recent movie. MacGyver, old TV show, not remake TV show. Um, very recognizable, big guy. Everyone I know that had met him, and he did the con circuit, and we, of course, have a lot of friends that do the con circuit, and we go to a lot of them said that he was awesome and would spend as much time with his fans as he possibly could. He did fall and then fall ill as a result of it about a couple weeks ago. He was at the hospital. People sent their well wishes. He got out of the hospital and then Hmm. passed away over the weekend. So our condolences to his friends and family. Watch some Sid Haig movies in in his honor. I just saw this one, and this is, again, me furthering – going down the path of trying to get one of our friends and listeners to murder Rob. Woo! They're doing a Billy Joel, a Billy Joel anthology TV show. <laughs> Rob is an American yes. and hates Billy. Joel. And it's an interesting idea. And it's, <laughs> that's not true. And it's very interesting because what they're doing is, I guess because uh, the queen movie did so well and the Elton John movie did so well. Was it rocket man? And, uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody both did very well. So they're doing a TV show based on Billy Joel songs. There's, I believe there's also been a musical in the past like this, but it's called uh, Scenes from Italian Restaurant, and which is Billy Joel's favorite song that he ever wrote. And each episode is going to be based on one of his songs, and his songs are very much tell the story of his life. I'm very interested in how this is going to play out. I'm not sure if it's going to be a, a regular network TV thing or a streaming thing or something like that, but I I'm always interested in those stories. The 70s New York and early 80s New York is a very interesting place because it's not like the corporatized New York that you know of today. And it was a, it was a scary, crime-ridden, the prostitute-infested hellhole. And I really wanted to hang out there. And I think, Rob, are you there? I feel that I was concerned I, that I was able to I, say prostitute-infested hellhole and you didn't say anything. 
Well, then you had a noise in the background that sounded like you farted, and I was trying to... No, uh, it was not that. That is my, my chair. See? <laughs> See? That is my chair. Anyway, Billy Joel Anthology looks awesome. And the last thing, this is uh, this is Jimmy news, so we can pretend like uh, this is Jimmy saying it, not me, since I'm talking too much. El Camino, the Breaking Bad story trailer came out. It looks like it follows the Breaking Bad series very closely because Jesse is still very scarred up in the trailer, which he had very rough times at the end of that series. Uh, you see some of his meth-addicted buddies in that trailer. It looks really good. I thought it was going to the theaters only, well, at first, but it's going to the theaters, to select theaters and Netflix uh, mid-October, so like October 14th or something hmm. along those lines. The trailer looked really good. It did run during the Emmys, uh, which means approximately 13 people saw it. <laughs> and uh, it looks really good. Are you going to tell me stuff about Florida? Well, no, I mean, there was the guy with the with the kite handle. I guess we could also talk about the uh, the camel incident. Oh, yes, go on. <laughs> As someone who's only who's almost been stampeded by a camel, <laughs> if you guys want to know if that's true or not, by the way, look up Full Sail Camel Rampage. Just letting you know. It's on YouTube. You can wow. see me almost get killed by a camel. Anyway, continue, Rob. Sorry. Apparently, truck stop uh, petting zoos <laughs> are a thing. Did you know that that was a thing? I didn't know that that was a thing. I thought it was kind of a euphemism when you said it earlier. Like, oh, it's... Hey, well, no, no. It's an actual petting zoo because this one hmm. has a camel. And this is a truck stop in Louisiana. And you say, but... I thought we were talking about Florida news. Well, interestingly enough, this involves a Florida woman. <laughs> her and her husband had stopped at a truck stop and were checking out the petting zoo. And the woman's husband thought it was funny to throw their dog's treats into the camel's pen. So their dog went into the camel's pen after that. Well, said woman crawled underneath the barbed wire to try and rescue yeah, their beloved pet. From the pen. Yes, yes. At which point, she was sat upon by a 600-pound camel. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I'd been sat upon by a camel. And the only way that she could think of to get free was to, that's right, you guessed it, bite the camel. Now, it doesn't say... Did she bite the camel on the ass? She. It doesn't say where she bit the camel. It just says that she bit the camel. And I'm guessing she got free because she got out. She was taken to the hospital. And then they were, her and her husband, I guess, were arrested or ticketed. No, they were ticketed for violating leash laws and for, like, abuse of an animal or something. I'm like, really? God. Yeah, the husband needs to keep the wife on a leash so she doesn't wander in a camel pens. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, wait, the, you meant the dog. You meant the dog. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy wasn't there to yell at me for that. He would have yelled at me for that. I feel like I missed out a little. Dang it, Greg, you can't say that. You have to You have to not say things like that. There we go. Well, this is not really a... It's not really a snap decision. It's not really a game. I was wondering if you, if you Rob, were, if you knew some of the stuff. Uh, I just saw a list that was based on the – it was the 25 highest-grossing media franchises of all time. And this is the way they figured out this list. 
mm-hmm. is that it was based on video games, merchandise, trading cards, comics, box office, home entertainment, like so DVDs and VHS sales, book sales, TV revenue, music, museums, which is a weird one, and stage plays. What would you say the top money-making franchise is? It's going to be something weird, isn't it? I was I wasn't super surprised at number 1. I was very surprised at some of the other ones. Was was Star Wars even on the list? Star Wars is on the list. Is Star Wars high on the list? It's number 4. Okay. 65.631 billion dollars. Right. So they're so they're using they're using I I'm going to guess that the other stuff on the list is stuff that isn't isn't stuff that we would um naturally consider through like movie franchises and stuff like that. I'm guessing it's stuff that makes a ton of money in other arenas, just not in correct. The entertainment arena. Correct. One of which was a very big surprise is just how much it made. Um, and a couple of them reminded me that, well, a lot of these things made a lot more money back in the day and have had many, many years to catch up. Mm-hmm. So, I'll just run down the big one. The number one, by far, is Pokemon. 92.121 billion. Number two is a store we walk by and never go into every every time we go to Universal Studios right in the front. Hello Kitty. Oh, yeah. 80.026 billion. Number three. So these are are franchises, not... Not like movie franchises yeah, or anything media, like that. Highest grossing media franchises of all time. Number three. Oh, bother. Good night, Daddy. Oh, night, buddy. What is that? Winnie the Pooh? Yeah. Buddy, I'm, I'm still... I'm, I'm recording. Uh, so, yeah, Winnie and the Pooh. And our guest star tonight. Yeah. I was talking about Winnie the Pooh and not saying some of the other things, but close my door. Uh, number, so, number three, Winnie the Pooh. Number four, Mickey Mouse. I think one, two, three, four. Yeah, sorry. It's a Star Wars was four, but I scrolled up. Five mm-hmm. is Star Wars. Uh, then there's something, I have no idea what it is. Anpan Man? A-N-P-A-N-M-A-N. Anpan Man? Anpan Man? I don't know. It is a, a Japanese manga from 1973 that has sold apparently uh, $60 billion in merchandise. I looked it up. Nice. I'd never even seen an image of it. Because sometimes like that little egg guy and other things that in like in the Japanese um, pavilion at Epcot, I kind of recognize, but. Um, mm-hmm. Like Gudetama? I don't know who that is, but yes. That's oh, the egg guy. Yeah, uh, this one's a little weird. The lazy This egg. one's a little weird, but it's because it's sort of a recent development. But Disney Princesses, they have as a separate mm-hmm. thing. And it's basically sold 40, $45 really? billion dollars in costumes. <laughs> hmm. Now, see, I got to believe that that list is not as all-encompassing. Because if you're talking franchises... Isn't Disney its mm-hmm. own franchise? Mm-hmm. Now, I gotta believe. Yeah, I was wondering how that did. How because did I gotta that. believe that Disney would top all of that. Well, yeah, because half of them are Disney anyway. Disney princesses and Marvel Cinematic Universe and Spider. Well, Spider Man's technically Sony. Batman twenty six billion. Barbie for twenty four billion. I mean, because they have cars. They have cars separated out as their own thing. Okay, I'm That's so I'm billion. guessing they're referring to specific products, not products of a bigger. Not um, yeah. not the bigger organization so like Sony itself. or Universal Monsters or something like that. Even well, not Universal Monsters, not Universal. I guess James Bond is in here. Okay, yeah. it's interesting. It was an interesting list. 
I wish I could. I wish the list had a little more information as to how they calculated. Right. I know it's worldwide, but I just thought it was very interesting. And I've always, when there's something that's that big somewhere else in the world that makes this list, this worldwide list, and I've never heard about it. It's just amazing. Like doing what we do, we we're we kind of search for this stuff. It's it's amazing that something can still hide. Like the movie tonight, I'd never heard of it. Right. And it's right up my alley. Okay. Speaking of things right up my alley. Giggity. I'm just going to segue right into American Horror Story, 1984. And I think me and you had some of the same opinions of the American Horror Story franchise. There are some good seasons and there are some garbage seasons. There are some that I liked. There are some that I was just like, eh. Like, I almost gave up on it. Well, I definitely gave up on it two years ago. Like you did too. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't even follow the, the last one. And from what I understand, the last one was pretty good. Um, because watched, it, it, it kind of tied all of them together, which was interesting. Yeah, it, I watched the early episodes. They were okay. Mm-hmm. And then I I kind of switched to just having him on in the background while I was doing other right. stuff. Um, both of us, I think, liked the any of the witch-related yeah, the seasons. Coven, Coven was probably my favorite yeah. season. I really liked that one. And I, re- I liked Roanoke season a lot more than most I people. liked Roanoke as well. I liked the twist. Yeah, I liked that it had a twist. I think the problem with some of the American Horror Story seasons is they've been too long, f- and they end up having to, like, change it up and try to make, like, a punchline. But after 12 episodes, it's hard to give you, like, a punchline. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought Roanoke was pretty good, because it switched yeah. it up. I even I even so, liked Hotel, but they turned me off with the political one. I was like, yeah, this is stupid. I don't... That's the one that I yeah. didn't finish. I'm like, I don't, I don't need this. I'm done. And I haven't really gone and back think, and watched it since. Yeah, so I think we're we're pretty much on the same page. One of my things with with some of the American horror story stuff is I like I like my horror to either be more supernatural mm-hmm. or more uh, a twist on everyday life. Like that's why I find like something like Scream terrifying because it's mostly everyday life. They mimic some stuff, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, mostly everyday life. But they'll throw a twist in there, like the you know Halloween. The original was like that. I found those movies to be a little more scary than stuff like mm-hmm. that. And American Horror Story sometimes goes overboard where people have to be caricatures of themselves okay, in order for stuff to work. And it works. The, sh- the show does well. It's just sometimes not my thing. Okay. Fair enough. That being said, I am a very big fan of American Horror Story 1984. Okay. And it's not just because of the 80s montage involving aerobics and VHS looking <laughs> scratchy stuff at the beginning. Nice. But it is a love letter to all of these slasher films that I did love in the 80s. Like, And I'm sure there's going to be some sort of twist. Friday the 13th, Halloween, uh, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, those type. Yep. So as we usually do, it's starring uh, Emma Roberts, Billy Lord, who is, uh, as you probably know, Carrie Fisher's daughter. Mm-hmm. Leslie Grossman, who was in the last couple seasons. Uh, Gus Kenworthy, who is an Olympic Olympian. I believe he's an Olympic skier, maybe. <laughs> Did you just say he was an Olympic Olympian? I, I was saying, I was going to say he was in the Olympics, and then I changed what I was saying. Yes, he is He is an Olympian. But no, that's like actually Olympic Olympian. We'll call him that. He's an Olympic Olympian. Yeah. Which is funny because in the show, he plays an Olympic Olympian that wasn't allowed to go to the Olympics because he did some Olympic level uh, pot. <laughs> nice. Uh, it also has John Carroll Lynch, who I believe was the clown character in, in what was it, Car- the Carnival episode season? Okay. But John Carroll Lynch, you know him, right? He was, he's almost typecast as a serial killer. 
He's like kind of a bigger bald guy. He was on Drew mm-hmm. Carey's show as Drew Carey's um, brother, but also he was uh, he was in Gothica as the killer. Sorry, okay. spoiler. <laughs> he was in. Oh uh, my he, god! He, I know he was in the he was in Zodiac, um, but he also plays uh, the so far. He plays the killer called Mr. Jingles in this. So military guy sometimes. Yeah. 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 He either plays like dickish politico serial killer or military guy. Yeah. And this so far, the first episode, it takes place at, I think camp Redwood. I didn't write that down, but, and it's got all of the tropes of great, great 80s slasher stuff. So, you know, it's got the, the crazy old guy that's like, don't you go up there, kids. You're going to get killed. You know, like right out of Friday the 13th. Uh, it was a crazy Ralph, the gas station attendant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got that. It's got a woman being chased through the woods by an unseen menace. Also Friday the 13th. You know, it's, it's kind of how it starts. It's got the, the guy having sex with, you know, the, the buxom coeds. And then of course they do the, the shot where it was actually a really good shot. It's there's the two girls are like, taking off their clothes in front of the guy and he's like sitting back with his head against like a tent that they kind of made in their cabin mm-hmm. and like the camera pans around and as the camera pans like past one of the girl's face it blocks his head for one second and as it keeps going you see that there's a knife stuck through his mouth like they stabbed through him right at that point so it's a really cool shot nice uh, it's got the the hitchhiker that gets run over by the kids doing pot while driving just like uh, I know what you did last summer mm-hmm. or Texas Chainsaw Massacre it's got all that like great eighties stuff. And it's not obviously not a coincidence. I mean, it even has the time jump where you see the killer in the past get locked up and then much later on break out of the mental institution, just like at Halloween. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it's not just to me, one thing after another, after another, after another, that's just throwbacks. It has its own story and the actors are pretty likable and they all have their, there are characterizations that are right out of 80s camp movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The jock guy is an Olympian, and he, for some reason, they talk about his uh, penis a lot. And <laughs> he was very small, short. And he is uh, definitely, well, we'll say smuggling cucumbers, since we talked about that earlier. Nice. And I just had a really good time watching it. I'm look, it it's been a while since an American Horror Story episode or season has maybe, like, can't wait for the next one to come on sit up and take notice yeah like when it was over i was like i actually hoped that they had done sometimes when they do like we'll play the first two episodes on the first night sometimes they'll do that with shows i kind of hoped that there was more so i think it's actually playing tonight so watch it after we record now what i thought was interesting is that there are the usual people that i'm friends with former students of mine and coworkers of mine that are always very excited about american horror story right and I'm trying to say this where people that don't know me aren't going to think I'm like pigeonholing it, but I teach at an art school. I have plenty of former students that are gay and they have a, and it has a very big following amongst the gay crowd. Mm-hmm. And that's usually how I know when the season begins because the chitter chatter on Facebook gotcha. is like, Oh, did you see it tonight? Blah, 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 blah. And amongst those same people that have liked all of the seasons that I was like, eh, about they were mostly saying they didn't like it, which I thought was really interesting. And there was another coworker of mine, and she had put on there some thing that she wrote. She was like, who here has ever seen a slasher movie and said, yeah, I want more of this. And I was like, 
Me? <laughs> well, yeah, I was like, first of all, me. And I was, and like, at first I doubted myself because she's not dumb by any stretch of the means. Uh-huh. And she's not, she's very media savvy as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, so media savvy that I can't say who it is because people actually know her. Okay. But I was like, really? And then I, then I thought a little bit further. I'm like, well, they did make, you know, 97 Friday the 13th and there's like 84 Nightmare on Elm Streets. And like, they were, I think we're going on what? 120 Halloween. Yeah, 120 Halloween. So apparently some people want more. And the only, the only problem with this is if you keep at a pace that they would keep in a movie, there's not going to be anyone left by the end of the first couple of episodes, you know, cause they usually kill off everyone, but the last girl. And there's only like seven right. main actors in this, but I think if you gave up on American horror story in the past, this season is more fun and less preachy. If that makes sense with something about people getting slaughtered. Gotcha. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm going to keep watching it. Excellent. I will, I will definitely have to check it out. It sounds like it's it's uh, right in my wheelhouse as well. And I guess the next topic is also me. Man, Jimmy is making me have to talk tonight. Damn you, so I'll Jimmy! Go, I'll, go, I'll go fast on this one. I don't know if any of you guys out there watched Good Eats or know what it is. It was on it was a sh- nope. show on the Food Network. I think it ran for about 14 seasons. I didn't really put all the seasons down. And basically it was a 30-minute show. They would pick a topic, some sort of food, and usually they would talk about the science behind the food or the history of the food or something along those lines. And then they would cook about three different meals with said food. And it was always very, very interesting to do an episode on black pepper and they would make like black pepper vodka and they'd make black pepper crusted steak, which was awesome. And mm-hmm. the, the cool thing about it was cause it would have the science as to why certain things happen. Like why are the outside of pretzels the way they are compared to every other type of bread? It's, do you know why that is actually? Because they, they put an alkaline yeah. substance on it, basically, to change the dough on the outside when it heats up. But either you know, little things like that, but I find it interesting because I cook. So it went away for a little while, and the host, Alton Brown, who had created the show, he decided to bring it back. And it came back about a month ago, and what he had done was he kind of walked away from it and started doing other Food Network things. And he said he wanted the technology to catch up with what he wanted to do with the show, you know, because he was always doing stuff like looking at the food in a micro in a magnifying glass on the screen and seeing showing what like, you know, different types of salt look like and it sounds boring but it's very very good. But he wanted the technology to catch up and they're using a lot of these new types of cameras and GoPros and all of this stuff and they're it's the show is just as good as it was before. Uh like I said they're, I think they're running two episodes a night on Sunday nights on the Food Network and there's okay. for me there's like nothing more relaxing and watching a cooking show like right before I go to bed. Although it does cause me to want to cook weird things. Like the next morning I'm like, I'll wake up. I'm like, why do I want to make homemade cheese crackers? Oh yeah. <laughs> cause I felt, cause I fell asleep after watching an episode about how to make homemade cheese crackers. But if you guys remember that show from the past, if you want to learn a little bit about like why cooking, how it works, find it. Good eats. There's a million episodes out there. You just set it up on your DVR, find it online and then cook me things. Heck Yeah. So next we're going to talk about a movie that I remember fondly watching with my family, uh, my dad and my brother, and also my mom and my brother. You know, it, it, it was a made-for-TV movie, came out in 1985, called The Midnight Hour. She wants more, more, more. It did not star Billy Idol. Should have. <laughs> 
But it did star actors such as Sherry Belafonte, Peter DeLuise, LeVar Burton. Uh, most of you probably know him as Jordy LaForge or the guy from Reading Rainbow. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a Halloween themed movie. It, it's just it's it's just a lot of fun. And as I'm watching it, there there were things that I had forgot about that I'm like, okay, wait a minute, what? But a few things also. It was directed by the director of Child's Play three, but ooh. he also directed some episodes of Game of Thrones and produced Lost. So he definitely did some stuff with his life. Uh, and it was written by William Blake, who was a writer. He kind of stayed in the same uh, genre. He was a writer for Poltergeist, The Legacy, and you know, The Stepford right. Children. So he he did some, some horror mm. and then disappeared forever. <laughs> now, real quick, being that I that – I, enjoyed this movie so much as a kid and actually i enjoyed re-watching it even if it wasn't quite as good as i remember i still enjoyed it i still thought it was a, a good movie considering you know it was made for tv and it had the limited budget and everything like that but i'm curious to know since you had never seen it before what did you think of it being that you're an adult watching it for the first time <laughs> you think i'm an adult <laughs> no i'm, I'm no. old not an adult uh Oh, okay. yeah, I hadn't even gotcha, heard gotcha, of this gotcha. movie until you mentioned it. In fact, mm -hmm. you mentioned it, and then I had to go back and listen to the episode to remember what you had mentioned. Because I was like, what was it? And I it, I liked it a lot, actually. I thought it was very fun. I thought, mm -hmm. and this is overused on this particular podcast, uh, but it had a lot of heart. You know, I thought it was just, it was fun. It mm -hmm. was, it had a lot of things in it that we've seen before, in 1985 and after 1985, like the teenage party on Halloween night and the jock right. and the, right. you know, the cool kids, the dead coming back from the and grave, a lot of that kind of stuff. But then when you think about it, you're like, well, it kind of wasn't too played out at that point. So it was new then. And I, uh, yeah, I, I liked, I liked hanging out in that world for a little while. And if they, mm -hmm. if they did like, if, if they did something similar to that these days where it was like an eighties throwback thing, I would have watched it and enjoyed it just as much. And this is like actual legit yeah. 80s. So the, what's the, the plot for those of you? So basically the plot revolves around this group of friends who is who, who are actually a fairly eclectic mm -hmm. group of friends. Um, you've got the one you've got the one nerd who's actually friends with the jock who's actually friends with in the 80s, I guess, would be called the cool black guy. Yeah. And then you've got the uh the popular girl who has some history with the town and that's Sherry Belafonte's character and then you've got the the blonde the blonde girl who's you know just interested in boys so i mean you've got the you've got the full group here and the nerd is interested in the blonde girl who's only interested in boys but she's not interested in the nerd the cool black guy and the and the popular girl with the ties to the to the city are kind of dating i guess i'm not I was trying to think of this like looking back at our group of friends I think I might have been the cool black guy. You yeah. definitely. I, I certainly wasn't the nerd. <laughs> because. I was I was the blonde obsessed were, with boys. You definitely were. With the long flowing blonde hair. <laughs> oh, So it revolves around this group of friends. And they're trying to figure out what they want to do for Halloween. And the popular girl, Sherry Belafonte's character, is hosting a party on Halloween because her parents are out of town. Now, why in the hell would your parents go out of town for Halloween and you're a teenager yeah, in high school? I don't know, but 
<laughs> that is probably a bad idea. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it. But she's hosting a party and they're trying to figure out what to wear for this party. And they get the idea to get some authentic costumes. And Phil, the the nerd of the group, does this uh, book report on – or not a book report, but does like a a history report on the – the events that happened at the founding. Yeah, they're the in Massachusetts. And it revolves I don't know if around you said that, but right. it makes more sense. It, right. It revolves around his ancestor and the cool girl's ancestor who was burned at the stake for being a witch. A witch. And his a ancestor. Witch. A witch. We found a witch. May we burn her? His ancestor was the witch hunter. Her ancestor was the rich witch, so their families have some some ties or whatever. But they get the idea for their Halloween costumes to go to the museum, steal the the costumes from the mannequins there because they had an ex- was yeah, it, it was the, museum? the museum? Yeah, they, they had an exhibit there. Yeah, the they had an exhibit there for the, the early the days trial museum or something. Right, and so so they went and took the they took a trunk full of clothes. And they found they find this parchment in it, and Sherry Belafonte, who is the descendant of the witch, reads this parchment in the graveyard because you know they go to the graveyard to open up the trunk and pull out all the costumes and and check their spoils and stuff. Which that part I didn't understand why they had to go to the graveyard to do it. But they went to the graveyard, they opened up the trunk, they pulled out the costumes. Um, uh, Peter DeLuise's character took the ring and the witch hunter costume. And Sherry Belafonte took her ancestor's costume. And so she reads this scroll, releases the dead on the town for the night. Those who are touched by evil become evil and blah, 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 blah. Chaos ensues. I loved, so I loved that they took the costumes and the, there's a line that Peter DeLuise in, who's uh-huh. in this. He's the jock. He's like, man, we're going to bring him back. No one's going to see him. No, or no one's going to see us in them. We're just going to go to a party. Wait, <laughs> if no one's going to see you in them, why are you taking them to wear right, them? Exactly. And that's where like the eighties ridiculous and likeness shines yeah. through. Like they didn't mean it to be ridiculous, but it was. It was the, that kind of thing that made me smile. Like it didn't make me like it less. It made me like, okay, there's the dumb jock being the dumb jock. Right. So they release all the dead, and and people start getting taken over, and I guess infected or converted by by the evil beings and it's up to the nerd and a surprise helper to reverse the curse and put everything back the way that it's supposed to be. Sandy. Ah, she's so dreamy. And I, I, I'm going to admit right here. I told, hold on, let me, let let, let me, before you do that work, I was going to get to that. I have, I'm going, you can't just admit it if I'm going to harass you. Oh, all right. Harass, harass away. So for our listeners out there, just pretend this conversation didn't happen. Okay. Now, Sandy is right out of 1959, the sweet, innocent, blonde, poodle, skirt-wearing, drag-racing girl, right out of, if you know the song Last Kiss by, well, performed by Pearl Jam, but by someone else, you know, about the the girl that possibly died while drag racing. We don't really find out how. And she is clean and scrubbed with a wire brush, and Rob, I believe, when I saw, as soon as I saw her on the screen, I was like... Now I know why Rob wanted me to watch this movie. <laughs> I did without you even telling me. I was like, "He, had, baby Rob had a crush on her." I did, and 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 I'm willing to bet that if baby Greg had seen this movie, he would have as well. Probably true. Uh, uh, yeah, true, true. Yeah, yeah. She was 
all sorts of cute and sweet. Although her characterization did change a little bit when she was trying to goad her boyfriend, her new boyfriend into a drag race. Yeah. Let's drag him. What? I thought that was kind of a little interesting. Blow him away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she has also come back from the dead, climbed out of her grave. And you know, not to get too deep on this movie, but that was actually kind of a cool little thing because you, in order to get the monsters back where they're supposed to be, you might have to do away with the one person you want to stay or the one mm-hmm. undead creature you want to stay. And I thought that was actually an interesting little level on what was a, you know, again, made for TV movie from that. It actually ran on November 1st of 1985. I found and, and the, the movie was super cute, but if you look at the ending, it's also really kind of sad as well. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, well, let's let's get back into the movie, because one of the things I like to talk about is that I, I just completely didn't remember it from when I was a kid, was, was how they just kind of lumped all of the, the, the Halloween monsters like together because zombies vampires well and i'm and i'm watching this and you know they they bring all the dead when they initially bring all the dead back to life they come back to life and they start kind of walking away so you've got zombies you've got freshly dead you've got dead who are haven't really decayed which is amazing for the girl from 1959 um but you've got dead who haven't really decayed Mm. you've somehow you've got werewolves what where where did the werewolf come from Mm-hmm. And and so so you've got werewolves and apparently you've got vampires because you know her ancestor Lucinda was burned at the stake for being a witch but she was really a vampire apparently or maybe she was a witch vampire or I yeah, which, I don't even witch vampire exactly she was a witch. What's vampire. funny is I didn't realize there was any vampire thing till about what forty five minutes in and I was like why do they keep on holding the camera on all these people's necks. Right. There was one of those scenes where like someone's about to get bitten and then she leaves and then someone else gets bitten. But I was like, but the camera was on these people's necks for like 30 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever, which is long in film. What are they vampires? Like you, you can see my notes right now. It's like, what's up with the prolonged neck shots? Are they vampires? Yeah. And and I'm like, I thought she was a witch. Is she a witch or is she a vampire? I don't know. And they just kind of like mash them all together. And I'm like, I, I don't know where the werewolf came from, but the werewolf attacks the one guy, turns him into a werewolf. And he, he's the, the Dewey, the security guard of the movie, if you are if you remember Scream, right? He's the guy with the dog. Yeah. And then he gets attacked by the werewolf. And then a bunch of like other dogs show up and start licking him. And it's really awkward because they're licking his Well, ankle. those those are those are his dogs. They initially ran away, but then they came back. When and the they're like licking his like ankles and wrists like under the shirt yeah. sleeves because they clearly put peanut butter there to get the dogs yep. to act correctly. Yep. Yep. And then the werewolf shows up and they like the dogs like pop their heads up and look down this alleyway to what is very clearly the dog trainer hiding down there probably because the way they mm-hmm. act is very much like when I call my dog. And well, if my dog actually moved on her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like they're like oh gotta go over here now <laughs> they, run off. they don't look yeah. spooked so much as going towards a treat right right and 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 i totally forgot all about that but the other thing the other thing that i had forgotten about that i was pleasantly reminded of was the the, cra- <laughs> the crazy zombie who just wanted to like catch up on current events and make out with a lady zombie and you remember him mm-hmm. the guy that like First thing he did was grab a paper and start reading yeah. the paper. 
And then, then he got hit by uh, by Phil backing out of the driveway, and he got all huffy, and he folded up the paper and shoved it under his arm, and he kind of <laughs> stumbled off. I was like, what? What That's is that? kind of stuff that makes this fun. Yeah. Yeah. Now, just a couple little things here. First of all, the there was the other mm-hmm. blonde girl who was like the rock and roll punk blonde girl. And right. she made me clearly believe I was born in the wrong era. Because I would have been what, like? I think we were like six or seven when this came out. No, eight. We were eight. We were eight when this came out. Yeah. And the one girl is getting dressed and someone says, and she like looks at her friend or and likes what her friend is getting dressed as. She's like, ooh, metal. And I'm like, that was what I was, would have loved in the eighties. Girl, mm-hmm. Blondes with teased up hair saying, ooh, metal when they like something. And then she runs off to find a, yeah. a, a safety pin to safety try to pin. pretend to make it look like she's punk and then realizes she can't just glue it to her face. She's like, yeah, it's too much. <laughs> she's like, just, yeah, like, too much. Yeah, maybe I will stick it through my cheek. Nah, I'm good. And then, and then how about the little person zombie? I don't know where he came from, what his role was, but there was a random little person zombie who was just wandering around the And then the sticks his face in the punch bowl and laughs. <laughs> Climbs up on the table and sticks his face in the Like, who's the little guy? And like, oh, it must be from some other high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It, and, and then, and then the other thing I didn't understand was, okay, so zombies kill people and they turn into zombies. So you've got the, Peter DeLuise's character, his father is a judge and he put away the the most notorious mass murderer that their town had ever seen. We'll refer and to him as he comes, Jimmy. Yes. Jimmy comes back from the grave and goes right to the judge's house and kills him. Turns him and, into and a And the judge is the, the actor that we just saw in UHF a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. R.J. Yep. Fletcher. And he's got some some great, like, over-the-top ridiculous lines as well. I mean, he's, like, almost always yelling at the camera. It's like, what? <laughs> so he... So he turns into a zombie, right? Lucinda, when she when she gets people, she bites them and turns them into vampires, right? Mm-hmm. So why, when when Peter DeLuise's dad, the zombie, shows up driving a car, and Peter DeLuise goes out to talk to him and gets killed by his father, who is a zombie, why does he turn into a vampire? Well. <laughs> I was like, What? I feel like we should track down the writer of this and find out, but my guess is that they ran out of zombie masks and could only find some werewolf and vampire masks. Well, all they need, all they, he, I think what it was, was he wanted to wear the cool teeth that everybody yeah, else was wearing. <laughs> so I was like, wait a minute, shouldn't he be a zombie? Not a werewolf, whatever, not a, not a vampire. Yeah, whatever. Well, which one do you want to be? You can and, shamble around or you can be like sexy vampire that's hypnotizing people. Right, right. And and can we can we talk really quickly about how awesome or how committed LeVar Burton's costume was? <laughs> yeah. Because that that takes I mean that that takes serious commitment to do that. Basically he went <laughs> he decided to go to the party as a mummy. Yep. So he wrapped himself up with like gauze or toilet paper or so I think it was gauze. He wrapped himself up with gauze and then he's like trying to figure out how to make it, how to dress it up a little bit. So he goes to the fridge and freaking just pours ketchup on his, on, on mm-hmm. his chest and like smears it around to make it look like blood. 
And then he goes and takes a raw egg and just cracks it and slaps it on his chest and rubs it around. And I'm like, I'm under the impression that whoever was directing what this movie do? just didn't like LeVar Burton. And was like, <laughs> no, 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 you look great. More ketchup. More ketchup. Is that- Here, have it. Here's yeah, an egg. Yeah, do that. Um, Smash this on your chest. You know, <laughs> you might not see it on camera, but I think it'll work. Why don't you pour this relish into your pants? I think that'll be a good look. <laughs> Do this, yeah, do yeah. this. Here's some hot sauce to go with. Okay, it. sir. If you think that's the way to do it, yeah. There, there was one yeah. cool cutaway shot that I thought was neat. The um, I forget who was getting bit when they did when they cut away to the like the wine cellar, all the wine bottles like breaking and flooding onto the floor. Yeah, that was Sherry Belafonte's character. Yeah, like it was really cool because they they didn't show blood because it was made for TV quite as much, and. So, like, you know, and they'll have, like, a sex scene, and instead of showing a sex scene, they'll show, like, you know, an oil derrick, like, drilling into the ground, or a train going into a tunnel, and then, like, the oil, like, coming out or whatever. Mm-hmm. They did that, but with with the bite, and as she was being bit, they did this slow-motion shot of this wine, these wine bottles breaking and pouring onto the floor, and it was actually kind of neat. <laughs> and randomly leaping yeah. off the shelf. Well, my thought was that I it was, like, like the supernatural what? thing, like... That was the the least of the problems of some of the logic side of things, but yeah, but yeah, it was all okay because they did have "How Soon Is Now" in there by the Smiths. Uh, the soundtrack of this movie was actually really good, and I was surprised they were able to get "How Soon Is Now," which mm-hmm. you guys probably know. You probably know from uh, well this, but also I think it was in uh, the Wedding Singer, maybe. But I don't know, and of course it was a pretty famous song, so I was very excited to hear that one. In fact, you can see that I wrote "Yes" in there. Mm-hmm. I did. I did. And and then the other thing that I had to question was they they were in this town and, you know, as as Phil and Sandy are driving through the town, realizing that, you know, something is amiss. They're showing like all the people kind of milling around mm-hmm. the town square and you've got the one guy in the pagoda in the, at the center of the park, you know, <laughs> singing opera. And yeah, and I'm like, oh. Okay, but then they they like flash over all these people and they get to this one guy who's like a renaissance poet wandering around yeah. using a quill and parchment. And I'm like I'm like okay, I I could be wrong, but I think that might not be the time yeah. period that yeah. this town was founded in. I, I I could be wrong, but I think we missed the renaissance poet in era. In ye old midnight hour, she cries Morith, Morith, Morith. Yeah, <laughs> with a rebel yell. She crieth more. You're going to murder me in my sleep, aren't you? So, so long story short, Phil and Sandy work together. Phil kind of falls for Sandy. Sandy kind of falls for Phil. Phil doesn't know that Sandy's dead. And Sandy knows that she's dead and that she doesn't have a whole lot of time. But the only way that she can save Phil is to help him reverse the curse. But, and here's the other little thing. Again, these are little picky things. It was a very fun movie. She doesn't know that she, Uh she does keep on saying she has limited time. But at the same time, She's very surprised that things have changed. She's like, like when she goes to her house, she's like, "Yeah, supposed to be my, house. my little dog's oh, thing was here, and we the malt shop used to be over here. And how many movie theaters are where the malt shop used to be?" But like, she very clearly knows she's been dead for a very long time, and she was smart enough to figure out how to stop all the stuff. Smart enough to figure out a bunch of other things, but couldn't quite figure out that maybe, maybe right. things have well, moved on. I, I will say that it's an. I, I will say that it's entirely possible that she knows she's dead, doesn't know how long she's actually been dead, 
So she knows she's dead, but she doesn't know exactly how long she's been dead. And as she's finding out all these things have changed, she's kind of in that little denial step. You know what I mean? No, it's not supposed to be like this. This is supposed to be my house, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I I mean, I can see that. I had a little bit less, less trouble with that. But, you know, so she falls for Phil. Phil falls for her. And she's trying to get in what living that she can you know, because she knows she's got limited time and she falls for Phil and she knows that the only way to save him is to help him end this curse. And she knows that when he ends the curse, she'll go away. So they kind of work together and I, she's really well informed because she, she knows that she's got to get the bones of the witch hunt, the original witch hunter and, and make a wax seal out of the, out of his bones and wax and seal the scroll back up so that the, so that the monsters go back to being dead and, you know, everything is reset. I'm like, wow, that's, that's a bit of a leap, but okay. I mean, I guess she's dead. She knows stuff, but, um, that, that's where the, that's where the really sad ending comes in because, you know, she looks at him and says, I love you at the end. And then everything disappears. And, and he, he, she was wearing his coat. He had given her her, his coat because she was cold and he goes and finds his coat on her gravestone. That's how he really finds out. Okay. She was dead and he finds out when she died and all of that. And I would have totally had to brush my teeth after that. Oh man, I just made out with a zombie. Yeah, I know. Right. And, and so as he's driving away and the, the, the real sad part is he's driving. Well, you know, the sad part is she's gone, but he's driving away and the, the radio, the DJ on the radio comes on and he says, this was a rush out. She wanted to make sure we got it, you know, right away, blah, 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 blah. So this is from Sandy to Phil. And she had, uh, apparently contacted the radio station and got them to Wolfman Jack, play. actually Wolfman Jack, which is kind yeah, of cool. yeah. And what was it? What was it they played? Um, uh, fifty songs. I'll, sounds like all I'll the be other I'll be yours yeah, until the like the sun no longer shines. Yours no, no, no. It was until a, the with rebel out she cries more, more. In other words. Until the end of time. Baby, I'm yours. That's the name of the song. Wow. I knew I'd get it. And you had to sing the entire song to get to it, but you did it. That's impressive. I didn't sing the entire song. I just I got through part of the part of the uh, chorus. Yeah, songs were longer back then. One of the things I thought was interesting about this movie was some of it looked really, really good. Some of the zombie creatures. Actually, the poster with the big skeleton-looking dude, mm-hmm. who I don't believe really appears too much in the movie, if at all. I w- really good. Well, I want to say that he was the, the funny zombie. It might have been. The okay. the horror posters from the 70s and 80s and early 90s are really good because like, they're hand-painted. They're just awesome looking. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I thought was interesting was the, the zombies have a certain look, and there's some musical sequences in this. And when you and there's not a lot of information online about this movie. It's kind of a, a hidden gem out there. Mm-hmm. But this movie came out only a year after Thriller hit it big or a couple years after Thriller hit it big. And a lot of the people involved with the makeup work on Thriller were also involved in the makeup work here. And Thriller kind of had that random monster movie feeling, too. There were zombies in Thriller. He kind of mm-hmm. turned into a werewolf. Michael Jackson kind of kind of turned into a werewolf thing. So I understand why this movie had that ambiguous monster situation. Mm-hmm. The ambiguous monster situation. I believe that might be the title of the movie or of the episode. <laughs> there it is. Ambiguous monster situation. If it's not going to be that, it's going to be, I'm going to start a band called the ambiguous monster situation. But 
it had that going on. But there was a couple times when there was monster attacks where it made me think that Spielberg back then had it right by, you know, when mm-hmm. he made Jaws not necessarily showing the monsters. There's a few right. times that, particularly the jump through the window, where it starts off good, like you jump, the thing jumps through the window, it's just a dark blur. And then they show a close up and you're like, that's a mask. Or that's an, that's an appliance, you know, a, a makeup yeah. appliance. So there's, there's definitely some things where I can't help but think of this stuff when there's people out there that are like, well, I don't I like all this computer generated stuff. I like the real props and the real masks. And then you see something like that and you're like, are you sure? <laughs> because sometimes it's not so good. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes not so much. So all in all, I mean, I would have to say that this this movie is certainly very cute. It's a it's good. It's a movie you can watch with your family. Assuming your kids don't scare super easy, mm-hmm. you can watch this with your kids. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, my, I could not watch it with my kid right now, but in a couple of years I could. Right. Oh, right. It, it, we didn't say it. It's available on YouTube for free. Absolutely, absolutely. Just just look up the Midnight Hour movie, and you should be able to find it. it was and you can check out our Facebook page if I remember. I will just put a link there. Yeah, there you go. So it, it's it's a cute movie. It's really enjoyable. It's it's worth the what is it hour and a half, hour and forty minutes uh, to watch the hour it. Hour and twenty seven minutes, I believe it was. So, so just about an hour and a half. It, it's worth the hour and a half to watch it. It's 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 a lot of fun. I I highly recommend it. If if you're looking for the the family type Halloween movies, it, it, I mean it's not going to be on the same caliber as like a Hocus Pocus, but it's 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 another option, mm-hmm. and you you should check it out. Yeah. Now, the question I ask, because anyone that knows Rob knows he's not a big fan of the remakes. No, I am not. Anyone that heard episode 100 just last week knows that. Anyone that had to sit through Rob ranting about Lion King for, I believe it was <laughs> seven and a half hours <laughs> of our one and a half hour episode on it. Oh, God. Uh, knows, do you think that they should remake this movie as maybe a Netflix kind of situation or a made for TV again? Do I think they should? Not necessarily. Do I think they could? Yeah, absolutely. This this movie this movie could benefit from a little upgrading. It's it's not locked into a particular time period. Mm-hmm. Other than um, there are certain things that, and apparently Renaissance poets. Correct. Yes. Yeah, so I don't understand that, but no, it's 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 not a movie that would be that would be averse to a an updating uh, a makeover if you will the i'm hesitant to say yes just because of the the nostalgia factor involved in it or involved with it for me but i could definitely see where a remake might actually do this movie some good and it would also actually give this movie a little bit more exposure so in that instance yes i do i do think that a remake would do good for this movie because then it would then it would it, <laughs> It would expose itself to a much larger. Well, we know you're all about that. <laughs> Absolutely, but no, it, it it would it would allow a larger audience to see it because I I think this is one of those movies like you had said you had never even heard of it. I think it's one of those movies that unless you caught it when it came out on television, you don't mm-hmm. even know that it exists. I don't know if I necessarily need a remake, and but I 100 percent would have loved to see a sequel. Because, mm, but the problem okay. is you can't do a sequel without a remake because not enough people will know it or remember it. This did come out right. again. It'd be like, what is this? How is this the second one? We never saw this the was released one. again 
on Anchor Bay. They're the company that buys a bunch of old like movies and re-releases them on DVD so many years ago. And any review you saw about it was like, they inexplicably bought this. And all I could think of was like back when this happened, probably Goosebumps was big. Young adult horror was young, fun adult horror was very popular. I don't know why it's inexplicable that they would buy it. Right. But a lot of people don't know it. Right. But there is more story to tell that is equally as interesting as what we saw because there's, you know, this dude that fell in love with a girl that has been dead since the 50s. There's this way of bringing her back. There's this town with a cool, sordid past. Like, there's all this cool stuff, but those stories are just out there. Like, I found myself wanting to Google what happens next, and obviously nothing, right. because it was a made-for-TV movie that came out in 1985. Right. You're like, that That can't be it for Phil and Sandy, no! Exactly. I, I was, I wept, I cried my eyes out after that that, that moment. And I tried to look up and see what what Sandy has done since then. And she really hasn't done a whole lot. I mean, she's been in a couple of movies, but yeah, she didn't. We haven't had a real good fun made for TV movie like that. That isn't an animated like Pixar thing or DreamWorks. Right. Or regular animation stuff in in a while. And I think it'd be kind of a neat thing It's playing off of the, the love of stranger things and and that type of movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I would, I could see something happen. I would like to see something happen. That would be great. If only we knew someone that wrote fun horror stories and had a love for that type of genre. <clears throat> yeah, and if only we were going to talk to someone in a couple weeks about that kind of thing. I'm totally going to tell him to watch this movie and then tell me what he thinks about it. Okay. Yeah, we should. You should You should tell him to watch that and tell me what he thinks, in addition okay. to the movie that I believe we're going to do when he is on. Yes. Okay. So now we've got our question. We're going to segue into the question here, which All right. inexplicably was posed by Jimmy, who is not here. Yeah. And answered by Jimmy, also not here. And and initially was like super tough. I was like, oh, God. Oh, OK. Um, and then we started looking stuff up and I and, you know, we found a couple others and I'm like, oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. OK. And then, and it, you know, once we broke down that initial wall, it became so much easier. Yeah. So Jimmy always goes first. So the question is, did, did I ask the question? I don't remember. No, I you didn't. Did okay. Well, <laughs> it's been a night. Uh, best non-streaming made for TV it, movies. It has, in fact, been a night. Has been a night. I'm going to be Jimmy and answer the question, best made for TV non-streaming movies. And I will do my best Jimmy impression which will also be the only impression I can do. An old Jewish man. Oi! Number five is the Trilogy of Terror. Because I don't know what... He, see, he didn't g give me any reasons why these are his favorite movies. Number two, the Schmagegs of the North Hollywood Shootout, 44 Minutes. I believe you, you lived there, right, Rob? I was there briefly. Were you involved in a 44-minute-long shootout? I was not. Not? Okay, well, yeah, because it happened about... 10 years before you got there i did i did dodge a mugger i think at one point though sweet sweet yeah 44 minutes that is the story of these two guys that robbed a bank while covered in body armor and weapons and it turned into a giant shootout and it was absolutely insane number three salem's lot salem hey, hey 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 no 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 no, no no oh number three is what hey uh, oh gosh uh yeah salem's lot that schmuck stephen king great great picture is that better yes okay Vault, number two one of my people, Steven Spielberg, did the duel. It is lovely. It is the tale 
of two things. A duel. And number one, I believe it's a cartoon picture, possibly from Disney, and involves rock hard things. Or like my stool when I don't drink enough liquids. Gargoyles. It is, in fact, neither of those. It is not a cartoon, nor is it from... Are you reading this list, or am I? (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Gargoyles, number one. 1972. Jimmy likes the cartoons. Yeah. It was a lovely cartoon. It was... They started in 19... Was it 72, you said earlier? Mm-hmm. There we go. Actually, I just made that up. Is it actually 72? I was trying to pick the... Yeah, so, well, I, I said 72. Uh, I was trying to yes. pick the wrong year. <laughs> oh. oh, well. You, yeah, I did. you failed. <laughs> the first time I've ever been accurate in the history of the podcast, and I was trying to not be accurate. Well, there it is. Uh, Jimmy's Jewish grandfather uh, and his list of favorite TV shows. I'm going to go next. Now, I have a bit of a problem. I didn't watch a lot of TV <laughs> movies. Just one? <laughs> Quite a few problems. You have lots of problems. TV movies, and when, so when I looked at the list, there was only a few that I remembered, and I had a long time editing episode one hundred, so my list is not as well researched as normal. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, one of which I believe was actually a three episode split into a mini series, but we'll say three episodes is going to be a movie because it was one of my actual favorites. Okay, but, but it would be number one if it was just one episode. That was V: The Final Battle. I loved everything about V as a kid. I wanted toys. I wanted to play V. I actually ate an entire guinea pig after watching V. Um, wow. <laughs> whoops. Uh, I peeled off someone's face thinking they were a lizard person after watching V. I was really into V. Is what I'm <laughs> and you had here. bath salts? Yes. Yeah. And then I, yeah, I did. That's exactly. I watched V, did bath salts when I was six years old and then ate someone's face off nice. and then swallowed a guinea pig hole. So V was, would have been my number one. But I'm just going to go beyond that. Uh, the uh, Burning Bed, I never saw it, but I heard a lot of people talking about it. And I can't even joke about it because I think it involved someone, uh, someone's husband burning them in a bed. Um, and I think it was about, like, marital strife. Nice. So we'll just move on from there. We're not going to make any jokes about that or do any weird voices. Wow. Yeah. Uh, number four was The Day After. This was, I believe, The Day After a Nuclear Holocaust. Also, man, what did, did they make any TV movies about fun stuff? So yes. that was four. We'll go with that. Uh, number three, this counts because Rob told me it counts. And since Jimmy's not here to tell me it doesn't count, I'm listening to Rob. The Grinch Stole Christmas. How the Grinch Stole how the, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Um, 1966, baby. Yep. TV special. Sandy wouldn't have been able to watch that. She was already dead no. for seven years. She was. Poor Sandy. Uh, number two. Alas. It. The TV version of it. Also, he said it counts. I've not seen it, it was, part two yet. I need to see that. It was a two-parter. Yep. Two I'm I'm saying that two episodes is not enough to count as a miniseries. So it's a made for TV movie that was broken up into two parts. Yes. And number one, probably because I just watched it and it was about one of the only TV made for TV things I've ever watched. The Minute Hour. I had a good time with it. There it is. It made awesome. it to the top of my list. Awesome. Also because the there was a Hunter TV movie that I thought I remembered, but apparently I didn't. So apparently when I was a kid I <laughs> dreamt a Hunter TV made for TV movie about a serial killer. Damn, you could have been a writer. Have you listened to the rest of this episode? No. No, I could not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that means it's my turn. It is. I'm I'm going to go ahead and start at number five with the movie we just spoke about tonight, and that's going to be The Midnight Hour. Like I said, I love this movie. A lot of nostalgia involved in this movie for me. I remember watching it with my family. It, it just It just hits a really good spot in my memory. 
So Midnight Hour is going to be number five. At number four, I'm going to lump them all together because I enjoyed every one of them. But it's going to be the Family Guy TV TV movie remakes of Star Wars. Those are fun. They are. They are. So they're going to be at number four. At number three, we've got another holiday classic made for TV, and that's going to be Frosty the Snowman. At number two, we've got a TV movie that actually launched a very famous director's career and started the whole, I I, I don't know if it started it or if it was one of the originators, but it started the whole not showing the villain thing. Okay. And that would that would be Duel. Ooh. Duel is basically a, it's a movie about a traveling salesman, I guess, who's on the road and ends up being terrorized by a trucker yes. in a, like a 18 wheeler or something, but you never see the driver of the truck. So it's not the Hamilton Burr story. It's about a trucker. It's not, it's not about the other duel. Just saying. Okay. Yes. Yes. So duel is going to be at number two and at number one. I got to put one of the classic, classic movies made for TV that is aired every year on television. And that's going to be How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Nice. Yeah, that one, it made it onto my list as well. It was one of the like real mm-hmm, ones mm-hmm. that made it onto my list that I actually have seen. Well, Rob and Jim, Jimmy. Since, since Jimmy's not here, I don't think we can argue out a five. Or we could just make up a five and not include Jimmy. And eliminate all of Jimmy's well, choices no, from the top. No, because like he had some good ones actually. Like I joked about him, but like um, Trilogy of Terror is kind of fun. Salem's Lot is really good. Duel's mm-hmm. good. Gargles I've never seen, but but yeah, not everybody. Yeah, but I would I would argue that How the Grinch Stole Christmas should should definitely be at the list. If yeah, not, we, uh, let's, if if you're t- if you're talking staying yeah. power and and just recurrence Grinch is number one. Sounds like you're doing a Viagra commercial staying power and recurrence. <laughs> I would definitely, I would definitely put dual at number two. Okay. So we're going Grinch and then dual. It look, yeah. It looks like Jimmy had dual at number two yeah. anyway. Um, at number three, what do you think? Uh, I, I really like V the final battle, but that kind of is, is three, the breaking point on TV movies versus miniseries. Three is where you're starting to push it. I can give you it if you want to use it. At okay, we're going it. Okay, because it was just a two-parter, and like I said, that's not enough to be considered yeah, a miniseries. We'll it. That's number three, in honor of it being out in the theater again as well. Yeah. Uh, number four. Um, How about... We're gonna get Stu. I want you to, I want you to play the clip that's for that from the song from the movie. Give me, give me some Wilson Pickett. I don't have any. I was like, oh my god. I already own Rebel Yell. I don't. You own, fail. I know. I hate you. <laughs> I understand. So let, let's go with. Um, I think five should be our, our beloved recent movie. Midnight Hour. Yeah. Number five. Yeah. And that means four should be the feel good movie of 1980. Uh, the Burning Bed. No? Okay. <laughs> uh, and after looking into it, I forgot that The Hobbit was a made. Oh, 
Yeah, the Hobbit. was a made-for-TV movie as well. It didn't actually make my list, but the Hobbit cartoon was a made-for-TV movie bad. as well. 1984, starring Farrah Fawcett, by the way. Um, as was Sybil. Yeah, Sybil's actually got a lot of staying power, too. Yeah. Uh, pick, pick, Sybil's one that didn't make it on anybody's pick list. Pick one for but... four. There's, there, are, there are people that are crashing their cars in anticipation of our number four. What do you think? Salem's Lot. Frosty. Salem's Lot. Frosty? Okay. <laughs> Frosty's Lot. <laughs> it is my effing list! Yeah. Grinch, Duel, It, Frosty, Midnight Hour. There we go. We're going with that, because I didn't watch a lot of TV movies. Sorry, Jimmy. He's going to be so mad our next episode. But, guys, out there listening, later this week, there's going to be a special episode, an interview I did with Aaron and Matt O'Ree. They are musicians. They are from the Matt O'Ree Band. Uh, it is a blues band based in New Jersey. They've just released some new songs. They've had a, a very interesting career. Uh, she is a she's a singer. She's won a bunch of awards. She has amazing voice. She's been on the Colbert Show. She's backed up Smashing Pumpkins as much and a whole bunch of other people. Matt O'Ree has played guitar with a lot of blues people, but he's toured with John, with Bon Jovi recently. He played with. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, all sorts of crazy stories there. Um, we recorded that interview earlier this week, so I'm going to try to edit that and get it out later this week. So be on the lookout for that. If you've not heard our 100th episode, you're going to want to check that out. It is a clip show uh, boiling down 100 episodes of good quality conversation into basically us talking about <laughs> Rob's fart. <laughs> Oh, it was so epic. Yeah. And of course, uh, if you need to talk to us for any reason whatsoever, give me five podcasts, spell out the five on Facebook, give me five pod at Twitter or Instagram. You can email us, give me five podcasts at gmail.com and you can just send money to us at any time because I need to pay for my meds. Apparently, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are using. That helps us quite a bit. And I am almost done with our brand new G.I. Joe shirt for Threadless, so give me five podcast, threadless.com. I sent a test image to Rob earlier. He said he liked it. It does. Yeah. It looks good. I like it. And I do like the idea that you had, Greg. You do need to you do need to yeah. switch the... Uh... So it is a G.I. Joe-themed t-shirt, and there's there was a couple more G.I. Joe references that needed to be on there because I didn't actually have room to put our name on there, and people wouldn't know what the heck we're talking about. So be on the lookout for that. Check it out. If you're an 80s toy fan, 80s cartoon fan, you might love the shirt. Buy one for yourself. Buy one for everyone that you've ever met, and thank you in advance. And in honor of Jimmy not being here, I will close out the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. And I've got a little special surprise for you. <laughs> Good timing on a text message. I believe that was actually the same text message I got, too.
this is Jimmy. I just want you to know that these two putzes don't speak for me whatsoever. I mean, I stepped out to get a nice pastrami on rye. No seeds. An unseeded rye is the best because those seeds, they get stuck, they give you gas. And I come back and they've put movies about Christmas in the middle of Halloween. What is this? Those schmucks.